Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome everyone to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, as always, is my co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show, after the news, we're going to be breaking down everything that was announced in Nintendo's Mini Direct. But before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. We have our special Day of the Devs episode already up, and I'm currently scripting out our Expanse episode. So with all that out of the way, it's time for the prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. Welcome to it. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you got for me this week? Oh, man. Well, as we all should know um, uh, for what I've been doing this week, it is GDQ this week. Yeah. If you're uh, listening to us on the radio, I'm pointing mm-hmm. at my shirt, which is GDQ themed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, buy the shirts from the Yeti during GDQ. Anyway, Games Done Quick is a twice annual event mm-hmm. where um, the speedrunning community uh, for video games speedruns for a week long without stopping. Um, and they do this to raise money for charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they put up a schedule. They stream games. They have donations incentives for like different runs that you might want to see or different ways you might want to see those things run. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Usually at least twice a year, they're raising multiple millions of dollars for charity. Two million here, three million there. I've been myself watching since about 2016, I mm-hmm. think. And yeah, I don't I don't miss it. It is I, currently going on right now as we are streaming live. Yeah, um, they're almost at a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, I think they're right so. about to hit a million if they haven't already. And yeah. it's only Thursday, which means we'll probably get to two, two and a half by yeah. the end of Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and it's currently uh, for Doctors Without Borders. And it's for Doctors Without Borders, a wonderful mm-hmm. charitable cause. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you're interested at all, go to twitch.tv slash gamesdonequick, and it's mm-hmm. right there for you. Yep. Let's see. The other things that I've been doing this week is I have two video games to report on. I started mm-hmm. playing a game that just, just came out yeah, tell from me about a it. brand new indie studio. It's called Neon White. This game looks gorgeous. Oh, yeah, it is absolutely gorgeous. Now, Neon White is what would happen if you took a... Um, Puzzle platformer and a speedrunner, something a lot like Ghost Runner, mm-hmm. or maybe even a little something like Bit Trip Runner. And you uh, slapped a Persona skin on top of it. Love that already. Yeah. So basically, you have a super simple gameplay that's instantly and always very readable. Mm-hmm. And you have characters and character designs and dialogue that is all based on the relationship you're building with the current environment around you and the friends you make along the way. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly fun. It is like. 30 second blips of gameplay Mm -hmm. and then a challenge that you want to do three, four or five times. Literally, when you first start the level and you first beat the level, your runtime was probably anywhere between 15 and 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. By the time you're done, it's more like five. That's how much better you get at these levels. It is so, so cool. Sounds intense. It can be very intense, but honestly, it's. It's more zen. It's relaxing. Hmm, I can dig that. Yeah, it's an indie game. It's it's a, not a full price. I believe it's about $20. It might even be on 10% off right now because mm-hmm. it is Steam Summer Sale. And uh, yeah, can't recommend it enough. It's very, very cool. It's from a brand new studio. It's our first game. So definitely pick it up to support those indie devs. Yeah. And one other game I picked up on sale this week because it is Steam Summer Sale is a game called The Pathless. Now, The Pathless is a very interesting game. I... um. Uh, it was a less than full price uh, game as well. Uh, not exactly like super indie because it does have a bit of a budget on it. Mm-hmm. But the basic pretense is that you were the last hunter. And for some reason, all the light has gotten, gone out of the world and you're sent yep. on a mission to try and restore it. And in here, you find in this world that you're dropped into, you find these spirits and you try and, you know, bring them back to their senses and, senses and restore their light. 
That all sounds very fun, but the gameplay is what really locks this game in. Mm -hmm. In this relatively open world, open environment type of game, think like Breath of the Wild or mm -hmm. something like that, you know, maybe even The Witcher 3, where it's just a large open environment and you can run between zones, mm -hmm. you walk almost painfully slow, but you never have to walk because you are in essence a spirit and can drain spirit power from things around you okay. by shooting okay. them with arrows. When you do that, it fills up a meter and now you can sprint and you mm -hmm. sprint remarkably fast. And as you continue to hit these points with your bow and arrow, you also get a quick boost of speed right at the beginning of the charge of your sprint meter. Okay. So the idea is to move between these things by chaining them together so that moving around in this world is always interesting mm -hmm. and always fun. You also have a pet. You have a okay. pet eagle who you can use to help fly you around to places. He doesn't fly, but he hovers and he can flap once or twice to increase your elevation. Right, right. And this all definitely ties into the movement mechanic because those things that you target with your arrow can also be up in the air. Because this is purely a game about momentum. Right? Always about momentum, always about movement, and always about traversal of mm -hmm. your environments to solve puzzles. Mm -hmm. It can be very, very cool and very frenetic. When I first started the game, I got like my first hour into it. I was coming to the end of like, you know, your first like tutorial zone. Yeah. Right. And I was like, well, this has been pretty fun. This is cool. And then I got to the boss of the zone. Now, now that was absolutely nail biting. That was so much fun and so fast and so frenetic and really required you to show your mastery of the movement system so far. Mm -hmm. And I am absolutely hooked. I play this game a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I can't wait to finish it and then play it again. Nice. Very cool. Is that everything you've got? That is everything I've got. I'm still playing more raft. It's still the best time you can have while zenning out <laughs> on, on, a uh, on a raft in the ocean. All right. Uh, a couple quick updates for me. Nothing too major. Um, I was I told you last week I've been trucking along on that American Horror Story train that I've been on. Finally caught up with the main seasons of American Horror Story. Uh, final review, 1984 is the closest they've ever done to a perfect season uh, of American Horror Story. Does not rely on you to watch any of the past stuff. Um, it just like, it literally got to the final episode and it was such a good ending that I went, wait a minute, there's gotta be one more episode that ruins this. There's gotta right? be one episode left to shit all over this. Right. Don't, don't, don't. Nope. <laughs> and, and I was worried in that episode because the final episode of it, loose spoilers, but not really, it mm -hmm. does go back. It goes forward in time. It goes from 1984 to 2019, which in the history of American horror story has never worked for a final episode. They fast forward in time and you're just like, well, that just got bad. No, absolutely. Start to finish. Everything about 1984 seasons was absolutely excellent. Would recommend would recommend it to somebody who's never watched American Horror Story before. Just watch this season. Nice. Um, the season. The season that took place after that is uh, tentatively the quote-unquote COVID season. Um, <clears throat> it's called a double feature. It has two uh, stories that uh, the for the season. The first one is six episodes. The second is four. Um, I was warned about this season going into it. I was told, you're going to love the first part of this and you're going to just adore every single minute of it and then you're going to go into the second half and you're just going to hate it oh, and uh, it was truth the yeah. first part which is by, when I say the first part I mean it's called double feature for a reason the first six episodes is a self-contained story okay right it, on. it literally opens up with the shot from the shining with the car going like Ooh. into a town like he, they okay. intentionally did that it's about a writer who is in a main adjacent area um and he's taking care of a house for the winter with his wife and kid. <laughs> um, there are things that may or may not be vampires in the town. Um, 
it's hard to describe the season without spoiling it. It, it on paper reads like every cliche and every horror story that you've ever watched and yet manages to craft such a unique story and such enjoyable characters um, that I was so immersed in the world. Very and the cool. fact that it was only six episodes was perfect. I'm like, you know what? That story fits that. And that's when American Horror Story works best is when it's confined to things like that. When it's when it's required watching for 13 episodes, it tends to jump the shark. Yeah. Um, but six episodes, perfect. Then we get to the back half. And I need to, <laughs> to make this point very clear. The second part of this the four episodes is about aliens and aliens have been a topic that have done been done once before an american horror story in oh, season two okay. and it was not good then <laughs> and it is not good now and it's a certain it, it, and maybe i think this is a it's just not for me kind of thing this is literally about gray aliens oh, yeah. this is it takes place in two time periods um per episode so like the first 20 minutes is 1960 something. The back half is quote unquote modern times. And it, the back half is all about, here's all the things that aliens influenced in our world, like the JFK assassination and all of these things, uh, kind of boring, kind of contrived. Um, the forward half of it is just like, here's four people who are trying to survive getting pregnant by aliens. And, oh, and, and okay. I mean, it gets weird, man. There are tentacles involved. Yeah, no, it started like, weird. It started weird and ended weird, and I just don't think it was for me, and I just didn't enjoy it. But you know what? The six episodes that I get did get. I always tell you this when we watch anthology horror: mm -hmm. if there's at least one story in there that speaks yeah. to me, it's not a waste of my time. Absolutely. So you know what? The second half was only was four episodes. Yeah, it was four hours, but I got that first half, so I'm happy with what I got. Yeah. Uh, second thing to mention, just real fast before we go to time on this, um, I got back into playing Control, mm -hmm. uh, taking a little bit of a break from it. Um, I just want to say something that control does that I think is really fantastic is um, there's a lot of modifiers for the game in the options. And uh, one of the options is just literally turning on invincibility. And I know a lot of people out there in radio land will be like, Oh, not a real gamer TM. Yeah. There's an invincibility button. Let me tell you something. I had been flying through control. I had been destroying things left and right. I was rocking that game. It somehow, because of the way that I was playing the game, I found myself literally between a rock and a hard place. I had one boss who was a DLC boss that I hadn't really realized was a DLC boss until later on that was absolutely mauling me. And then I went forward. I was like, okay, well, I'll just leave this area because the, the game even recommends it. Leave the area, go somewhere else, try yeah. something different. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to do that. Uh, follow the story. I'm going to go do this thing. And things are going well. Things are going well. And boom, I run into another boss. And this boss is just wiping the floor with me. And it gets to a point, and mind you, I'm a person who loves the Souls games. It had gotten to a point of frustration that I was just like, I don't understand what I did wrong. Like yeah. was my, was my build wrong? Was the way that I'm approaching the game wrong? All of a sudden I was powering through this game and all of a sudden I felt completely powerless. And it's not a game where you feel empowered, but it felt like I was just hitting brick walls. Yeah. And if this was any other game, I probably would have stopped playing right there. Even though I was loving the lore, I was loving everything else about it. When it got to like a no win condition for me, I'm just like, okay, well then fuck it. Yeah. Uh, I, I have, and for, by the way, I tried these bosses for like days, Right. Like it's, I, I would come home from work and my time from home from work was trying to beat my head against these bosses. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to for the sake of like argument, I want to first off turn on um, 
invincibility yeah. and try that first boss I was fighting, which is the DLC boss. I fought that boss for 30 minutes with invincibility on and could not beat it. Yeah. So that is a straight up DPS check on my part. I was ill prepared for that. And I under, and I, re- I recognize that now. Um, went through, did the second boss, cool, cleared that. And so what I'm doing right now in the game is I'm kind of just, I did a lot of research, uh, online, like between my anger and frustration to try and figure out what happened to me. Um, a lot of people are saying there's certain skills in the game you really do need to have unless you have a really like detailed understanding of the game, um, to really benefit you. So unlike dark souls where I could put a couple levels into something and not be too hindered by my build in control, it really does seem to mess with you unless you're absolutely flawless at the game. Mm-hmm. So now I'm having to go back kind of, I can't respect. So I'm having, I'm just doing some story missions or some like side stuff. That'll give me a few extra points. I'm going to do that, get myself kind of the a couple of abilities that I've been completely ne- neglecting. And then I'll turn off my invincibility and I'll continue on with the story. But right now I just felt that I was really hindered by it. So I, what I'm saying is thank the developers for putting that option in there mm-hmm. for people who just want to play the story. They can just turn on invincibility and just play it. By the way, turning on that invincibility does not hinder any of your trophies or achievements or anything. If that's a question. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, it, it's not like a, you cheated. You don't deserve. It's like you yeah. played the game. Yeah. You played the it's game. Good. good job. Um, so yeah, like that's what got me back into it. I'm like, cool. I can get past this hurdle and the thing that's frustrating me and go back to the game that I was enjoying. I just have to get back to that point. Um, so that's everything that we have for the prelude this week. We are going to take a small break when we come back. We'll be going into our main news segment in the weekly raid, the weekly raid. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the weekly raid, our news roundup for the week. There's a lot to talk about. So let's dive in. Uh, first off, a Fallout television series has been a- announced by Amazon Studios. C- uh, Kyle McLaughlin of Twin Peaks fame will be starring in the upcoming series about the Wasteland. Sweet. I mean, yeah, great. I- it all depends on which Fallout they do, I guess. I guess if they had cast Matthew Perry, we'd know which one they were doing. Do we need to do a numbered Fallout? No, I mean, I hope not. The the, the stories for those games are not TV friendly. Right. Yeah. So what we're getting... Uh, I don't even know what, like, like, I don't, there's no there there. Like, like there's no right. story that exists. Because, like, because like you Fallout can put on is TV. a game that allows you to just do whatever. So like, you, yeah. can, you can instantly say, well, oh yeah, we could do Fallout 4. But the thing about Fallout 4, and this is as somebody who played a lot of it, mm-hmm. is, all right, story is Fallout starts, you get frozen, your kid gets frozen, your kid gets taken, and now you have the wasteland to wander. Yeah. Except most of that game has no sense of urgency for you to go rescue your child. Yep. Right? That doesn't make for good TV. You don't want to watch somebody building a settlement for eight hours. Yep. Right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, like, I don't know. Like, there's a reason, there, there's a reason the Witcher TV show works. Mm-hmm. Is because they don't do anything at all having to do with the games. They rely on backstories and lore about the character. Right. There's no Fallout character. Yeah. Like, like there's no Fallout character. I can't think of a single character. I can think of groups. Yeah. Like the Brotherhood of Steel and yeah. mutants and stuff like that. That's all neat. Mm-hmm. That can all be in there. Yeah. But like, this sounds like a very, very expensive show. And I don't, um, and I can't imagine what they're going to make it about. Right. I mean, the thing about Fallout is you can make it about anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, do you take place at the before times during the after times, the during, during times? Do you put it in a vault? Do you put it in not in a vault? Like where, like in a vault. Ooh, like, you could like, do like, uh, 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 like arrow where it's like half in a vault and half out. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Just big flashbacks. That's right. I'd, yeah. CW hire me. I can write. <laughs> right. I can see it. I think that the fallout franchise has the ability to kind of go either way on this. 
you know, like honestly, like as much as I don't like Skyrim, I know I know I say that, and you guys hate me when I say it. Oh, it fuck Skyrim, it's boring. Um, the game's terrible. Skyrim has an interesting universe. I know because I played ba- Daggerfall and I played Morrowind a lot. Um, I didn't like Oblivion. So like the universe is there. Um, you just need to like put some like like watching a Skyrim show. I might mm-hmm. do that because oh, like Elder there's Scrolls, yeah. there's really cool factions in Skyrim that you know I'd like to know more about and learn more about. And you can do that with just a anybody character right yeah and that's kind of that's kind of where fallout is you know yeah yeah no i mean i mean don't get me wrong i hope it's good i do um but uh you know video game tv shows right. we'll see <laughs> right. if, when they're not made by hbo you know i guess we'll find out <laughs> well we don't even know until the last of us comes out if it's gonna be any good so. no shit right there's a new social commentary horror film in the works the film is called pruning it will star uh madeline brewer who a lot of you will know for her work in the handmaid's tale mm. The plot, this is going to be great. We can't wait to get your reaction to this. The plot is, quote, a far right political commentator, the main character, discovers that her rhetoric has inspired a mass shooting. She must then contend with that part of herself that has a conscience. Pretty unrealistic. (laughs) Pretty unrealistic. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's Hollywood for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, like it, it, this is like, um, yeah. Wow. I mean, I, mean I, I don't know who this is for. <laughs> is this for people who want to be like, oh, maybe they do have a conscience? Or is this people for people who are like, yeah, no, I would have caused a mass shooting. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do things like that. Maybe I should stop going out into public and lying to people and then making them so angry that they shoot other people. Yeah. It's a weird thing, but it's so topical. And if I'm about nothing, it's it's topical horror. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... No, I mean, as a horror thing, it sounds great. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm all for horror movies that just follow horrible people and then they just get horribly murdered at the end. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we'll see where this is going. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jacob Baltland, who's most well known for the modern uh, Spider-Man films, he's the sidekick, has been tapped to star in an upcoming horror film called Horoscope based on the book by Nicholas Adams. It's a book from the 90s, by the way. Okay. Um, the book, quote, the story follows a group of college friends who, after getting their horoscopes read, begin dying in ways connected to their fortunes. Are their fates fatal, or can they change what's written in the stars? Man, I remember Final Destination. Yeah, I mean, that's what you get. That's what you get from that exact quote right there, right? You're like, cool, it's Final Destination. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. No, no, those movies were entertaining. I mean, it's it's gore porn. Like, like, and and, and not even, maybe it's like good horror movie kill porn, which is so, so specific. But that's probably exactly what it is. I mean, right there on the tin, it's telling you what's happening, right? Yeah, and we're there for the kills. And we're hoping that they're creative. And, like, the fact that their accidents just makes it more fun. Yeah. Like, the lady who, like, couldn't stop falling over in her kitchen until one of her kitchen knives fell Mm -hmm. on her. And you got to admit, like, when it came to Final Destination, by, like, even in the second one, they start really fucking with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite was... um, the, the the lady in the car crash who like was like there's a steel beam coming through the back of her headrest and she mm-hmm. avoided it mm-hmm. and she's just like sitting there like oh my god I almost died and they're trying to cut her out of the car and the jaws of life pop and her airbags go off mm-hmm. and it just impales the back of her head mm-hmm. on that spike then like the car explodes and a barbed wire fence cuts another 
dude in half. It's mm. it, it's amazing. Right. And then those movies, like they fed, they mastered the art of fucking with you. Like there's the entire like gymnast and there's like the nail on the fucking floor or oh, something. Yeah. And you're just like, oh God, she's going to like step yeah. on the nail. You worry about that nail for far too long. Right. Like, the movie does re- the tension well. Yeah, exactly. And I'm hoping that's kind of what we get with horoscope. It's just like right there on the 10, we're telling you like, Things tied to their astrological signs or whatever are going to like fuck with them. Yeah. Like, let's just be in it for the gore at this point, right? I'm in. All right. The Samsung Gaming Hub launched this week. This feature allows users to stream video games to their televisions and supports Google Stadia, GeForce Now, as well as Xbox Game Pass, all without a console. The televisions actually support Bluetooth controllers of any kind. Nice. So want to set up whatever controller do it so this uh application the the whole thing about this is that it's being fully supported by samsung it's being fully supported by stadia and xbox and all of this um there the the hub itself isn't just like here's these applications um when you log into the hub uh on the on your brand new samsung tv that has this mm-hmm. um it is a hub it'll have the options for your apps to play but it also has um the gaming news for the day it'll basically give you a news feed okay and it'll have like tutorials for various games that you can play on the platform so it's not just like a, it's not just an app that holds apps it's an app that they're trying to build out to do other things okay no that, that sounds interesting they're trying to get into the game without ever having to develop a console which i mean good on them right and That's i mean literally if it. you have xbox game pass like oh, yeah. you get yeah. to just load it up on here and start playing yeah no that sounds that sounds fantastic i mean yeah, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know who is asking for this. I mean, probably everybody who can't get or afford a console. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, exactly yeah. who's asking for it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people can afford a TV. A lot of people can't get their hands on a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox right now. Very and true. there's a lot of those, you know, newer Xbox titles that are just coming to um, the streaming service that you can just play through their cloud service. And that's something that's not being talked about in the industry very much, but at Microsoft's cloud offering has come a long way. They've been quietly working on this for years. And now we are starting to see the fruits of that labor. Yeah. You know, we are going to be seeing a time where, you know, maybe you have no idea that the person you're playing Halo against on the other side is just playing on a, you know, Samsung just, TV. Yeah. That's yeah, it. That's cool. Uh, Capcom has announced a Mega Man Network Legacy Collection for PCs and consoles. This collection will have 10 games in total across the Mega Man Battle Network series. This is not only a huge win for Capcom, um, actually it's a big huge win for game conservation as well because a lot of these games just originally came out on like the uh, Game Boy Advance. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, the Battle Network series was really came out like in like 2001 or something. Yeah, so um, th- this is great for like ga- in a game preservation sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, w- I never really loved the Battle Network games, but they've always been an enjoyable watch on like GDQ or something like that. And, yeah. you know, everybody wants more Mega Man. It's a very different Mega Man than normal Mega Man games. It's a little yeah, more turn based. It's a little, a little bit like East of Eden, right? Yeah. It's almost like a, like a grid based, like character versus character yeah. sort of like move around and position yourself for your attack sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it, but I mean, we're talking like 10 games come into a collection and you know, it's only going to be probably priced at like 40 bucks, really. Yeah. Like that's what Capcom seems to be doing with their bundles. I mean, I think they just released their fighters bundle this mm-hmm. week and it's like 40 bucks and it's like all the fighting games. Please yeah. Have and, and apparently that, that, that is an amazing bundle. Well worth, uh, well worth your time, according to all of the fighting game aficionados. Yeah. Cause it does have rollback net code, rollback net code and all your favorite old games. I might do that this just weekend. Just imagine. I might you just jump into some street fighter two turbo. Right? With rollback. I got a four day week. Weekend. I yeah. can do this. That sounds like fun. 
The Metroid Prime Trilogy is set to be released in a remastered edition for the Nintendo Switch. Um, there was no formal announcement by Nintendo. This was coming through various sources. They were able to confirm through a couple of sources that this is in, in development. According to the reports, uh, the games will have a lot of new options, such as uh, being able to use dual sticks, uh, gyro controls, and it's most likely going to be launched this holiday season. So probably next Nintendo Direct, we'll see something about this. Okay. I mean, yeah, sounds great. I, I love Metroid. So the question on everybody's minds is if this is coming out, where the fuck is Metroid Prime 4? And I want to talk about that for a minute, yeah. actor. So we know in the history of the development of Metroid Prime 4, it was being developed by not retro studios. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, Nintendo stepped in and they said, this game is not up to snuff. Um, scrap it. Yeah. And we are going to give it to somebody else, i.e. we're giving it to Retro to make this game. Yep. So halfway through development, scrapped, given back to Retro, said go with God. So we don't really talk hypotheticals and theories in the news section very much, but I got a theory here. All right. And I'm hoping that I'm right. So I think personally, because we've been hearing about this happening in other game companies I think Nintendo went to retro and said, all right, look, Metroid Prime 4 isn't working. We want you to develop. We're going to scrap it and have you guys build Metroid Prime 4 um, from the ground up. But before you do that, here's kind of our what we want you to do before. Here's your homework. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. We know that we know that retro developed Metroid Prime 1 through 3. But that doesn't mean the current developers who are at retro have developed Metroid Prime 1 through 3. Your homework is rebuild you know reskin redo whatever you need to do to re-release metroid prime one through three to modern audiences get it ready and that way it's in everybody's hands everybody's played it everybody's refreshed on the story and the characters and everything going on in metroid prime one through three and then you will finish metroid prime four and then release that yeah i mean that's that's exactly how i would have done it i think we had the same conversation after it turned out that um that uh yeah uh that bloodlines wasn't coming out you know when when that got, uh, uh vampire the masquerade when yeah. bloodlines 2 wasn't coming out my first thought was they really should have just remade the first one first instead of trying to like reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. and then creating a part 2 when all anyone wants is for part 1 to like be working and available to the <laughs> masses and not look and play like butthole unless you install a hundred fan made right and and bless GOG because GOG oh, yeah. if you buy it through GOG they actually bundle the the fan made patches in with the game mm-hmm. they're just like no this is what it takes to have this game functional yeah. we put it in there when you get the game from GOG you will get the most functional version of this because of the fans mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, a man, I've wanted that game to be remade forever. And honestly, I could really use a Metroid Prime 1 through 3 remake because those games yeah. are amazing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully, yeah, if you're right, then the studio making 4 has a lot under their belt. And we're going to say a lot of this in the back half of it when we get to the boss room. But Nintendo Switch is really stepping up its game. It's making itself a very invaluable like it is becoming a place that is a go-to spot for games mm-hmm. there's a there's often the opinion when it comes to nintendo consoles that like you know nintendo consoles are for kids or all these yeah. things and sure they do all those things but they're they're getting everything else mm-hmm. they're getting fucking and we didn't put this in the notes but they're getting fucking plague's tale like on the yeah. system nintendo has been for all generations for a very long time mm-hmm. um it's just that you know 
a lot of these retro gamers, a lot of people that are our age are like, hey, we really miss Metroid Prime. We want the next Metroid Prime. And they're going, all right, cool. Before you get that, we're going to give you this remastered edition. You're going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll get you ready for Metroid Prime 4. That's true. It's not a bad. It's not a bad marketing strategy, Nintendo. You've only made me buy the, buy the original Legend of Zelda like eight times. It's fine. Yeah, you know it, it'll run on my toaster at this point. Uh, moving on, Xbox Game Studio head Matt Booty was asked to respond to a report that detailed mandatory overtime and mismanagement at Bethesda Studios uh. over the course of Fallout 76's development. Um, he said, and let's bear with this for a minute. He said, there's a widespread culture of crunch across the industry and that it is unfair to pin all of that on one studio. He went on to say that the details of the report reflected the status of the studio then and do not necessarily reflect the conditions of Bethesda today. Quote, I know from talking to Bethesda leadership that we do not have a situation where people are crunching. I am confident in that. Well, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard says Activision Blizzard is doing okay. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Like irony is dead and Activision Blizzard killed it. Yeah. As they, as they decide to keep Bobby Kotick as their CEO because of a report that they released about themselves that said they didn't do anything wrong. Right. Oh man. And now don't get me wrong. I do trust the people over at the Xbox game studio a little bit more than I trust Activision Blizzard. For sure. They are within our good favor. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, you know what? So there's two parts to dissect here. The first part is the weird line where he's like, maybe it had crunch, but crunch is a universal thing. That's a poor answer in the year of our Lord 2022. No, it's not okay. Um, I mean, we, 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 yeah, some people got stabbed in the balls, but honestly in video games, people get stabbed in the balls all the time. Right. Like, like, you know, it's just, it's just part of the job. Yeah. It's, it's just not an acceptable answer in a time where game company, game studios are starting to try and unionize. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that, that part of the answer was poor. The second part, a little bit better. And that was basically like, look, bro, We've been monitoring Bethesda, and from all the talks I've been having, there's no crunch going on now. And that's in a post-Microsoft buyout world, though, mm-hmm. so it could go either way. Yeah. It could be because Microsoft bought it out, and they told them you got to cut that shit off. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. Yeah. I don't know. Of course, you know, we've got a Bethesda branch here in Austin. We're hoping for the best for them. Absolutely. We really do want them to succeed. And we do um, know that Microsoft is willing to hold a game that they think will do well when it has, you know— what. When when it's not finished, when it's about to be ready and it's not finished, they don't right. shove it out the door like Bethesda has always done. They just let people continue working on it. Right. So hopefully that's what's going on and no one's being forced to work over That's why that. I'm a little hopeful for the next Fallout game. I mean, it's still going to be a first-person Fallout game, which a lot of people don't like, but yeah. I've liked them. And I, I'm like, maybe if we just li- give it time to cook. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just I just cook it till it's done. That's yeah. all I've wanted. I don't, I've never, ever for a second cared that the I games saw, are first I saw person. an article the other day, and, and I don't know which news outlet it was. And uh, it was something like, it's time for Fallout to go back to California. <laughs> and I was talking about Fallout 6 or Fallout 5 specifically. And uh-huh. I'm like, bro, there's an entire U.S. Yeah. We have played like four games in the, yeah. in the California fucking world of fallout. And I don't even mean like in the main line. I mean like the side games yeah. as well. So like maybe we can just leave California alone for a minute. Like I'll tell you what, here, here's my offer to you, Bethesda. I have half a script. I wrote for a fallout tabletop RPG. That's actually based here in Austin. 
I will just give it to you yeah. and you can just work off or take or like it or don't, but just, you get to take it. You can just put my name. Don't even got to cut me a check. Just put my name in the credits, say like partially made by this weird dude in Austin and let's call it a day. I think fallout Texas would be fun. Yeah. I'm not here to toot the horn for my state. Just think fallout Texas has a lot of potential. Fallout Texas would be amazing. We've got the, 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 you know, the Texas triangle. We got San Antonio, Austin mm-hmm. and Houston. We've got big hub worlds, mm-hmm. a bunch of little places in between you can travel to. This makes, for a big open world y'all yeah i mean yeah you could do so many things with it and depending on how large you want to make it you could be like hey like here's what it's like you know like the yeah. mexican border or something like that and, and if you want to do it in the fallout way just pretend there isn't any water you know fa- fast forward like four years into the future yeah and you know d- there's a lot of research you can do on what texas will look like when it's like that i yep. mean it, it, it's or you can you know by the time that you release the game it, you know probably won't be too <laughs> probably, far from reality probably won't be all right, so wrapping things up as always, there's actually nothing to report for this week's edition of Blizzard. Are you okay? Um, but we do have to note that Activision Blizzard this week, while in the middle of a potential acquisition, has acquired the Boston Games Studio um, Proletart, and they're the team that had a game called Spellbreak. Um, uh, Spellbreak. That, that game was actually announced to be getting shut down about the time this news was announced. Yeah, no, that scams. That, that game, I played it when it first came out. It was interesting. It was just another battle royale drop in, yeah. shoot people, but it was magic instead of, uh, you know, guns. And yeah. it, it, it was it was fun for what it was. It was a little too precise, and mm. you it was it reminded me a lot of playing uh, Quake Three. Mm. Like you know, as far as movement went, when you were playing well you felt like you were moving quickly and doing things Mm. but the people who really knew how to play Mm. you couldn't see they were blurs they were the flash and you were getting murdered Uh, from underneath you while you were on the floor and you didn't know how Mm. that's that's kind of what that game was like and honestly i'd be very surprised if you told me it had any kind of audience right now okay um so this studio that they've purchased um out of boston is purely going to be helping out pumping out more World of Warcraft content. Oh, God. Uh, the Poor quote, guys. The quote from Blizzard, and this is a weird one, y'all. As you are probably aware, for folks in the World of Warcraft community have a voracious appetite for content. And from what we've seen over the last year is that we need to increase the amount of content that we can create and the frequency with which we are putting it in the hands of our players. So here's the first problem. Mm-hmm. I know I know you've got a lot to say here. Mm. Here's the first problem. People didn't quit World of Warcraft because of the content. People quit World of Warcraft because of Blizzard. Yeah. They yeah. left and went to Final Fantasy because they didn't like the company. Yeah. I mean, not everybody. Well, I mean, oh, that like, and they'd probably been playing. Anyone still playing World of Warcraft has probably been playing it since 2004. Yeah. We're coming up on 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um. I, 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 make a part two to do something like yeah. I, I don't know i don't know how long you think you can do this before you're not doing it for anybody and i know that the game still has plenty of subscribers yeah but like those people are just there for the game that you keep making just yeah i mean you're fine here's the thing man you can make a part two and people probably pick it up and play it sure i there are people who still have subscriptions to both final fantasy 11 and final fantasy 14 that's true that is a thing that exists where they just go back and they play the old game for a while because they miss the old game. Yeah. And then they go back to the new game because they want to play the new game. And you know what? Good on them. Um, maybe Blizzard has the model they don't ever want to change. But even EverQuest got an EverQuest 2 at some point, my friend. Oh, yeah. No, and, and that's what it is. It's like Blizzard isn't interested in trying this and failing. Right. And 
like they're not interested in making a second game and the current subscribers not liking it and all and everyone leaving. Yeah. And I mean, the last time Blizzard made any kind of, uh, I mean, it, it was Overwatch. It was 2016. Yeah. They haven't made, they haven't done anything anyone has liked since then. Yeah. Like, like pretty much at all. We're just fingers crossed for Overwatch 2. At this yeah. Point. Yeah. And, and luckily we can play Overwatch 2 bit by bit as it's coming out. It's very true. Weird news indeed, y'all. At least it's not Blizzard doing more horrible things. Yeah. But so far, we have a lot of fun news to talk about. So hang with us. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be going into our main topic in the boss room. Boss room! Hey, everyone. Welcome to the boss room, our main discussion for the week. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week, Nintendo had a mini direct with a ton of announcements. So let's jump into what we saw. First things first, we had Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. So this is, you know, more more Monster Hunter. This right, right. Is, yeah, this is the big DLC expansion yep. to the um, big Switch Monster Hunter game, Monster Hunter Rise, yep. which um, came out to all kinds of popularity. And even though um, people like myself considered it, at, at, which is just true, a... A graphical, oh, it's obvious it is. I'm not even saying anything here. A graphical downgrade to Monster Hunter World. Right. It seems like a lot of the, like the, the majority of the soul of the game and everything about the game has been preserved. Yep. They did add a few features to game, make the game a little bit more user-friendly, which I appreciate, even mm -hmm. though I did take the time to get good mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. Not everyone needs to put 40 hours into it their first week like right. I did. Um, but yeah, so this is the big expansion, much like Ice, Iceborne for Monster Hunter World. This is Sunbreak. Whole new areas, whole new monsters, whole new storyline and quest going on. And yeah, it looks great. Mm -hmm. I want to play it. There's something about it that you found out just before the show. I think you should share with the audience. Yeah, so they're, they're so good at this. If, uh, if anyone knows the Monster Hunter games, uh, just in general... There are usually some kind of cute animal wandering around that you can do things with. In Sunbreak, there is a little baby owl in its nest. It hasn't left its nest, and it's just kind of there. Now, it serves absolutely zero gameplay purchase. You don't get in it so much as an achievement, an award, currency, special armor, a color to paint your special armor with. You get nothing. But you can feed the baby owl and spend time with it. And that's just a reward on its own, I think. <laughs> it is very adorable, and I can't wait to pet that owl. <laughs> All right. Next up, they had uh, near Automaton, the uh, end of Yorha. Am I pronouncing that Yeah, right? Yorha. Uh -huh. The end of Yorha edition. Right. So this is the Switch version mm -hmm. of one of the absolute best games ever made, near Automata. Mm -hmm. um, from the absolutely bonkers creator, Yoko Taro, who made other things like um uh dragon guard and uh, and near uh, uh, <laughs> yeah um so yeah i'm so so glad that switch finally gets to experience switch people finally get to experience this game this might be the release of it that finally gets me to play it yeah um, because the idea of sitting down and playing it on my console feels very intimidating mm -hmm. it feels like a lot there is a lot to it yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a it, it's not like a big game but it is a deep game you yeah. know it's it, it's you know you, you can see to the other end of it like a lake but it is fathoms deep yeah it's friend. like here's 99 endings good luck yep and uh yeah it, it's an absolutely wonderful game it is uh you know it'll it'll change the way you think about things and you mm -hmm. can always go deeper you can get really really pretentious about it in the way you can about like a good artfully directed indie movie mm -hmm. 
there's always more layers to it and there's always more to think about when you're doing it. I could, we could do a whole Patreon episode and just deep dive into this game and the meanings and the themes and everything. Mm -hmm. I can only gush about it so much before someone will have to stop me. But uh, yeah, Switch people, if you've not played this game and you have a Switch, you're doing yourself a disservice not playing it now. You can play it on your couch while you, you know, watch cooking shows. Exactly. Uh, Next up that was shown there was a puzzle game called Lorelei in the Laser Eyes. Yeah. This was fascinating. Yeah, the art style struck me. Yeah, it's yeah. it's this weird like dark colors. It, it's one of those games that only uses colors when it feels like really important and relevant mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, and like a noir and almost like Sin City kind of. Yeah, way. yeah. And they call it, they're they're calling themselves a modern take on puzzle adventure games. Okay, so, yeah. Know, there's the adventure element to it. We walk around the world and then you interact with puzzles. I don't know everything about. I would say this is one of those ones that I'd say do go watch a trailer for this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a uh, Lorelei and the Laser Eyes. It's definitely worth checking out the trailer because. It if you like the aesthetic, it means this is absolutely going to be your shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super Bomberman R2. Yeah. Okay. More, so, yeah. More so I've always loved the idea of Bomberman and I've even dabbled a little bit in it over the years, but I've never like been a Bomberman person. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's a single player game and eventually like you, you get how the puzzle works. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's straight lines and, 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 and power upgrades. But what we have in this game is a full on, um, level creator and multiplayer functionality to play on online Bomberman with people yeah. and create your own levels and create fortresses and invade fortresses. Mm-hmm. This sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I it, it might not bring me back to Bomberman, but for all the Bomberman fans out there, I'm really glad someone is, like, expanding their series. Yeah, it's one of those series I can never really get into. I think I played the first one. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool, get it. Um, and I get it. The Bomberman has very much evolved since the first one. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, this was definitely one of those ones that I was like, man, I could see like getting drunk with a friend on a couch and playing this. Oh yeah. You know, by my friend, I mean the only friend that I have, which is you, which be, the, 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 I love it. couch co-op. <laughs> um, they showed off a game called Pac uh, Man World Repack. Um, so it's like a remastered version of Pac-Man world. It looks crazy. It's 3d. It was all of these things. It was fun. I know nothing about Pac-Man world, but this looked like a good version of it. Yeah. I was watching the trailer going like, man, is Pac-Man even still relevant? Like has Pac-Man been relevant for a long time? He's super relevant in smash brothers. Uh, Is he? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. Shows how much I don't know about smash. Brothers. He is a giant asshole. If you're fighting. Oh, okay. (laughs) So he has like a thousand projectiles to throw at you. That sounds horrible. I don't want to deal with that. No, no, no. He's a dick. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, uh, what will I say about this one besides um, Pac-Man, open world Pac-Man seems to be doing a lot better than open world Sonic. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to come back to that one, let me tell you. We'll just put a, put a pin <laughs> in that thought. Um, there is a game from Gearbox Publishing that I do want to talk about, though, mm-hmm. and that is Blanc. So Blanc mm. is a buddy adventure game that stars a, a fawn and a wolf cub. It is, uh, there is no text. There is no dialogue in right. this game. Um, and it seems to be mostly black and white. It's if not most, all black. And it's white. mostly black and white or all, you know, all black and white. Mm-hmm. And I saw this one and immediately when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, we need to play this, but couch co-op. Yeah. It just, it looks beautiful. The music's just like, hauntingly beautiful it looks fun um this is another one that you do want to go maybe check out a trailer for yeah Um, absolutely 
The art style is just so unique. What Gearbox is doing with this, I, everybody hears Gearbox, and you know, we immediately just go to like, oh, it's gonna be like, yeah, another- you think first person shooters or you know that, that type of stuff. Yeah, but seeing this, I was just like, holy shit, man, this is. It was gorgeous. Yeah, and it looks kind of deep in that, like, you know, really pretty sort of way. I don't know. It, it seems like it's a, it's a game with something to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they showed up a trailer for Return to Monkey Island, which is a game that is coming to multiple consoles and, and PC, obviously. Um, this is a sequel to the Monkey Island series. Uh, but it was a big deal because it was a coming first to Nintendo Switch, actually. Yeah, and, and you know what? Nintendo Switch is a perfect perfect place for um for uh you know those point and click adventure style games which obviously you can't point and click anymore but i mean they're still just games with a ton of humor and snark and interesting puzzles and jokes that will make you feel intelligent for noticing them like that's what monkey island does right monkey island has like two it has two modes two or three modes it's like really highbrow but like lowbrow humor simultaneously and then it's got like the jokes that make you feel really smart because oh i caught that reference and then sometimes it's a fart joke oh yeah 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 but the thing that is the fart jokes land harder when you've been doing intellectual stuff for five minutes frazier knew this best yeah yeah that is is an actual fascinating i am fascinated by that bit of knowledge i did not know that (laughs) thank you for dropping your frazier knowledge on me uh, Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope. It's the sequel to the Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's XCOM Mario. It's more of it. I honestly, I swear to God, I had no idea that game was as big as it was. Oh yeah. People love that game. Like, holy fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Because I, I remember the original came out and I remember like maybe next E3 or game, whatever. They were like, oh yeah, here's the, we're going to do a DLC expansion to it. And I was like, really? Like was, was XCOM Mario that popular? Cause like, yeah feels very niche to me my dude um i say this is an XCOM player but i know that we've talked about this before but one of the XCOM games that i like to recommend to people is the the newer one in the series which is i don't remember the name of it off the top of my head yeah it was but like it, cobra or something it, but it's an XCOM game that's yeah. that's meant for people who have never played XCOM before it introduces you to the strategy it doesn't have the permanent death mechanic to it um, it's meant, it has a very, very solid story to it. Chimera Squad. Chimera Squad, that's it. Chimera Squad, and they only, by the way, released that game for 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. That wasn't a full-on XCOM. They're just like, yeah, here's the beginner. And I'm using beginners in air quote because it still challenges you. Oh, yeah. But it's not as harsh of a penalty like it is in X. Like, I'm playing XCOM 2 right now, and if one of my guys dies, that's it. They are gone. That is it. Yeah. Um, it was but, almost like a game to introduce you to the very harsh mechanics and realities of an XCOM game so yeah. that you could get used to how it was going to be and then dive yeah. into XCOM 2, which hadn't released like like a year earlier. It almost it, it reminded me of like the way that some people view the Jedi Fallen Order game. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a Souls game, but not like a soul souls right. game. Right. Like it's baby's yeah. first soul, you know? Right. Yeah. right. It's still a hard game, but it's not as restrictive yeah. as a Dark Souls because you got a lightsaber. Yeah, you're gonna swing your lightsaber, you're gonna learn some force powers. Yeah. You wish you had this shit in Souls games. Right. And so Camaro Squad was kind of like that for me. And so really thinking on the Mario Rabbids game, and also what a weird crossover for mm. that to be. Um, them making an XCOM game and, and basically just being like, look, we're making an XCOM game for that's accessible to everybody. I fucking love that shit, by yeah. the way. Mm-hmm. I don't need every XCOM game that I play to be XCOM. Yeah. I don't need them all to be that hard. And the fact that there are a generation of kids, and I'll probably say this a couple times throughout this thing, a generation of kids who have never played an XCOM game before 
grew up playing Mario Rabbids and says, I want something like this. And literally everybody's suggestion is going to be, well, your next step is XCOM kid. Yep. And like, that's what it's going to be. And it is XCOM because I watched this trailer and said, that is Mario with two pistols shooting two different people. Yep. <laughs> like that happened. That's the game that like nine year old me dreamt about. Yeah. <laughs> After Mario 64 right? came out, I'm like, he needs a gun. Right. He needs like two guns. <laughs> <laughs> right. Master Chief has nothing on Mario in yeah. these games. Something I noticed um, when we saw that trailer for the new Mario Rabbids game. Mm-hmm. Very, very, if little, if any emphasis on a Ubisoft logo. I noticed that, and I'm wondering if that was intentional. I mean, it would be if I were either Nintendo or Ubisoft. Let's yeah. not taint this game with our fucking logo. Even though the Rabbids are their property. They are 100%. Right, but Ubisoft is not in a good place right now. If you're yeah. unfamiliar with what's going on over there, it's all bad. It's all bad. It's all Activision Blizzard bad, yeah. except it's probably still going on. Yeah, well, they, they do the thing where they like hide you know, in Europe. Or wherever they are in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just, you know, uh, they're like, hey, nothing, nothing's the matter. Everyone, everyone chill. Nobody's sexually harassing anybody here. We promise. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I did notice the lack of logo there. But yeah, Mario Rabbids. I'm excited for it. It's a game I might pick up. Yeah. um, Seems cool. Just to do it. Uh, there was one game, Little Noah's Scion of Paradise. Not too much to say about that one. It's a 2D strategy game. It looked interesting, yeah. but no, that probably wasn't for me. Um, I want to talk about Railgrade, though. Yeah, Man. Trains. Railgrade. Unexpected hit of the thing, I think. <laughs> Railgrade is basically Roller Coaster Tycoon, but for trains. Yeah. And so like, you play missions, and every mission is like, you know, you have to help this industrial zone and you have to do it in the most efficient way and you just build fucking trains. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. No, that's awesome. Maybe like you, if you got, if I could like design, like I'll tell you what, like here's my dream game. Like just right now, something that I would pour hours and hours into just to, I don't know, make myself feel better about the world. Give me a map of Texas and a budget and a bunch of like building blocks, like RTS style. Mm-hmm. And just let me make like a high speed rail. Yeah. And for the expansion, I'll extend it up into like Colorado. Yeah. You know, and it, it, yeah, just give me trains and, and let me like make them run efficiently mm-hmm. and think about how they're timed. I'm not and, even a trains person, but I was watching this trailer going, man, that looks very soothing to play. Yeah. Yeah. It seems cool. And I mean, the tycoon games are like that. You just kind of yeah. like quietly respond to subtle, quiet emergencies. Yeah. And, you know, hope no one notices as long as the trains keep running on time. Yeah. It's a little bit like being God or, or Lucio. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It, 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 if you're doing your job right, no one notices you do anything. That is very true. So we mentioned it before, but we should probably bring it back up. Sonic Frontiers. We saw it. Yeah. It is an open world Sonic game. Yeah. Um, I So I have seen just over the over the Internet some footage of this game that doesn't look terrible mm-hmm. so far. At showcases like Key 3 and uh, this Nintendo Direct, Mm. all of the footage I have seen of Sonic Frontiers looks like absolute dog shit. Mm -hmm. The the frame rate looks like it is just chugging along Mm. at a rate that is unacceptable to play any Sonic game at, Mm -hmm. or any game at in particular. 
And uh, the open world seems like empty and and rather drab. Yeah. And like a different game and belongs not in like there. A, and not in like a Breath of the Wild kind of way. No, no, it's not like simplistic or charming or like has a has a cool art style to like you know amp up the the, the valleys or the grass. It looks generic. It, it looks it looks like. Do you remember what Final Fantasy XIV looked like before Realm Reborn? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was where it was there. just like, there are hills it and was we brown. put grass on them. And, you, the, you know, and over the horizon, there's a sunrise and like a cliff. Mm-hmm. There might be some water. But the whole world, it just looked like that. Yeah. It's like grass and like cliffs. But this is a Sonic the Hedgehog game. Yeah. I'm just trying to just run around in grass. And then the, 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 the kicker to all of this is they're like, and here's where, where Sonic enters this place called the Cyber World. Oh, yeah. And, and then it becomes a Sonic game. Yeah. Has, and all of a sudden it was a 3D Sonic game with like platforms and ramps. It was colorful and like, and like shoots. And I was just like, why, why isn't this the whole game? Yeah. I'm very confused why this is not the whole Why game. did you take these levels that you made that look pretty cool? Yeah. And shove them all apart and yeah. just slam an open world in between them. Yeah. 4K. Yeah. Like, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do in a Sonic open world? Yeah. Am I... Am I going to get faster? Are you going to make me earn my speed? How fucking <laughs> dare you? Right. No. No RPG mechanics in my Sonic games. All right. Next up. This was... I remember having a big question mark over my head until you explained it to me. Mm. There, there was a trailer for Disney Dreamlight Valley. Ah, yes. And I was confused at first. So I was looking at the trailer for this, and I'm like, is this just Kingdom Hearts without the Kingdom Hearts? Uh-huh. Like, is that what we're doing here? But you managed to break it down without me even yes. having to, like, watch the rest of the trailer. Yeah, so what this is, is this is Stardew Valley with... Disney characters. Yeah. So, you know, you show up in an area and you make your character and you're like, hey, what am I going to do? Well, you have this land. We should probably put a house on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, well, I'm hungry. All right. Well, let's plant some food and maybe chop down some trees and let, make, make the land tidy. Maybe put in some crops. Oh, you have neighbors. You have a non-adversarial relationship with your neighbors. You would never sue them over their, over where they put their fence. They're your <laughs> friends. Because they're Donald Duck. Because they're Donald Duck or, or you know, the the, the ladies and gentlemen of uh, uh, Frozen or right. the Lion King mm-hmm. or the Little Mermaid. And they're all your neighbors and they're all your friends. And sometimes they want to share a meal with you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to learn to cook it from, uh, you know, the, the little rat from Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's going to be great. It's going to be wholesome. It sounds wholesome. It's not going to let you bang Donald Duck, though. And fun. You cannot bang Donald Duck. That's a whole different game. Uh, <laughs> I will not be telling you where to find that one. Uh, did, 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 oh, God. Dude. Available now on Steam. Yeah. Rip your Google search if you look for it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's going to be interesting because as we go through this list, um, we're going to kind of come back to this concept of the farming sim a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's the Live Alive which is a Square Enix game. Um, it was interesting. It was, uh, it's very Chrono Trigger-esque. Yeah, it um, did look very Chrono Trigger. Yeah, it, because mm-hmm. like the, there's a demo out for it right now on the Switch, and it allows you to play the first part of the three scenarios, which, and I'm, I don't have it in front of me, one of them is, is is ancient China, one of them is like feudal Japan, and one of them is literally called the future. And, and if I'm getting this correct. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
that to me just screamed like, wow, it's Chrono Trigger, but like kind of set in like our world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It seemed, uh, I mean, that sounds, sounds cool. Yeah. Oh, and the cool thing about it is if you do go and pick up the game and play it, um, all of your, your stuff transfers. Mm, nice. Yeah. yeah. So it is a demo that transfers over. I always love that for games. So it is what it is. Uh, Dorymon story of seasons, friend of the great kingdom. Uh, Dorymon is, is a popular kids character in Japan. Okay. Um, they basically made a farming simulator with this character. Ah, yes. More Stardew Valley. More, yeah. more. Well, 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 so I keep referencing Stardew Valley because that's my on yeah. Harvest point. Moon is, is a what big we're one. talking about is Harvest Moon. What we're talking about is Animal Crossing. Yeah. Everyone saw what happened with Animal Crossing in the pandemic and they were like, I would like some of that money, please. Yeah. And so this is what we're getting. They spent the next two years doing that. Yeah. And you know what? That's fine. These games are great. Um, yeah. I don't know. Look, all millennials want out of life is to be able to walk to a corner store and to, uh, you know, have fun with their neighbors and to maybe touch some grass, yeah. cut down some trees, true. enjoy nature. Yeah, very true. Uh, Minecraft Legends was shown off. Uh, it's a Minecraft game, but it's a tactical Minecraft game. Yeah. Um, very cool. Again, this is kind of going back to that point of I looked at it and go, well, that's not for me, but... If it gets a kid into some tactical games, like I'm, I'm down for that because it's like, yeah. oh, it's a Minecraft game. They have no idea that it's a tactical game yep. the, the way that it is. I love that Minecraft is expanding into other genres rather yeah. than trying to reinvent their own game because like there's there will never be a point to making a Minecraft. game. Like, like right. there, there's, there's just not there, there's just no point. Yeah. If anyone who says the graphics can get better, like you don't understand Minecraft. Go yeah. play Minecraft. You probably yeah. never played it. Yeah. They, they, Minecraft has ray tracing. That makes it look very cool and interesting, but it doesn't... The blocks are the blocks. That's the point. Yeah. That's literally the whole point. So so, so leave them alone. So what they do is they build games like a, uh, you know, action RPG, Diablo style, or a tactics game, mm. or a fun character-based game. They, they've done all of these things, and these are good things. I like, yeah. I like what they're doing. I still appreciate the studio, even though I've never played much Minecraft. Um, I love that kids everywhere have the chance to, and I, I, I they really like it, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that I would enjoy it more if I had played it when I was younger. I looked yeah. at it and I was like, you know, I, I see the appeal. I just don't know if it's for me. And I think yep. that's how I get with survival games a lot of the time. I, mean, yep. I get the appeal, but I just don't know if it's for me. Yeah. And a lot of the times that Minecraft style of world plus survival tends to bleed over to one another, right? They do. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of have Minecraft to think for that for that entire idea. The only way I ever enjoy games like this is with friends. We just, yeah. you know, carve out, you know, some... Excuse me. So some time, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks and we spend a few hours just making stuff together. And yeah. then it's really soothing, even when it's fast paced, like in Raft, you know, it's just we're, we're just, you know, building a home, making new things, adventuring around. It's good stuff. Yeah, I can dig it. Uh, next up was Dragon Quest Treasures. This is a spinoff of the Dragon Quest series. This was kind of fascinating and fun because it had all the perks and all the quirks of being a Dragon Quest game. But you get to recruit monsters. Yeah. And it's just about going around and raiding dungeons. And it's not even trying to pretend like it has a grand story. It's literally like you want to go like plunder some dungeons and make some monies. So recruit these monsters that are really adorable from the Dragon Quest series that you love. They can help you in various ways. Like they can help you fly over chasms and all kinds of stuff. Um, and just go around and explore the world. And I think for Dragon Quest fans, I'm like... 
I'm happy for them to have something like this. Yeah, absolutely. So let me tell you, I'll, I'll explain a little bit to any of the audience that might not know about how what Dragon Quest is like in Japan. Oh, boy. So Dragon Quest games come out. And for anyone not familiar with the series, it is a turn-based RPG. It is an old-school Japanese turn-based RPG, even the very modern ones. Mm-hmm. You're talking about 100 hours to complete these RPGs. Mm-hmm. And this is for just like side quest, main quest stuff. If you're like 100%ing the game, that's a whole different undertaking. But these games are so popular that the Japanese government requested that the company only release their games on Fridays because the normal game schedule release around the world of Tuesdays was causing the economy to halt because too many people were calling in sick. (laughs) This is how popular these games are. Mm -hmm. There is even, from the company, an official recommended way to play, where they tell you how long main quests are, how long side quests are, and to spend maybe an hour and an hour or to an hour and a half when you come home from work going through some of their content, and then putting the game away for the next day. This will make the game last, when they come out, about six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people really take their advice, and they find it very soothing. This is the scope of what we're dealing with in their culture. So... When you get a game like this, it's like Dragon Quest adjacent and seems to be maybe for a younger audience or maybe even just something different that's not like a giant undertaking. I I love it. They're just, you know, making it more accessible, mm-hmm. giving parents who love this thing something to show their children that their children can absorb that isn't like yeah. a full-blown story, you know, and they get to play the way their parents play. Like, you know, instead of going on grand quests, they're like, oh, instead of hitting that slime with a sword, he's going to come with me into my dungeon. That right. sounds fun. Everybody wants a slime companion. Let's be everyone, real. Everyone wants a slime controller. Right. Yeah. They only made a handful of those. Oh, yeah. And God, was that thing a handful. It, it was a literal <laughs> handful. It was like, a, like, like, you ever see one of those giant breakfast muffins that's too big to eat? Yeah. <laughs> that's it was pretty like much that. what that controller looked like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up on the Nintendo release was the... Interesting choice, the Portal Companion Collection. Uh, so it's got Portal, Portal 2, and the co-op version of Portal 2. Yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, what can I say about Portal that hasn't already been right. said? <laughs> earlier earlier t- in this podcast, when I said Switch was getting one of the greatest games of all time, they're getting a second one of the greatest games of all time yeah. in Portal 1 and 2 and yeah. the collection and all of the co-op stuff. These games are absolute classics, and if I were a parent with a Switch, um, with a child under 15 years old, a, a, you know, a child of any age who had never played the game, mm. but but a child who was, like, for, still formative and still getting into video games, I would absolutely sit them down in front of Portal mm. and just let their minds go wild, because yeah. it teaches you a different way of thinking when mm. you're solving puddles, puzzles, and that is... So, so valuable to a mind that age. I, I yeah. love that they're getting Portal on the Switch. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're almost wrapped up here. Before we get a couple more titles to talk about, the next one up is called Harvestella. It is a Square Enix game that is about fighting and farming, and you go around and you make friends with people, and it's these... Apparently, there's like four seasons to the game, but there's like also this fifth season, which is about like the world partially dying and you're trying to figure out how to prevent that season of death from happening right so it's like they got they got some of their final fantasy uh rpg and they like smeared it over some some animal crossing stardew valley yeah and i love that you know what yeah yeah, i think it's probably not just america i think maybe all millennials are horny for permaculture and just wish we lived in a small town and could do something as simple as bring our goods that we grew out of the ground to the store 
and like make money doing and, it. And, and, and you know, like, that would be our living. And then we could yeah. go back home and, and talk to our neighbors and walk in nature. And, you yeah. know, uh, it, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. But we just put, we put some final fantasy in your harvest moon. Yeah. And that's great. You know, I love the idea of, um, and you know, what really struck me while I watched this trailer mm-hmm. is I thought there would be no better way for all of the JRPGs I played in the past. And I'm thinking all the way back to like Panzer Dragoon and Dragon Guard and like Final Fantasy seven and eight mm-hmm. and the things that set the tone in the PlayStation, PlayStation. Yeah. The, the thing that really would have made me care about coming about like going off on an adventure to save my tiny village of being in this giant world um, would probably be to plant some crops there mm-hmm. and, you know, need to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And then for some asshole or giant, you know, astronomical force to come ruin my crops. And I'm like, fuck, man, it's I personal planted that, those. It I watered them. At that point. That is fucking personal. Now I'm going to leave the village and whoop some ass. Yeah. So, I mean, this honestly sounds like a game I'd really like to play. Yeah. Super excited about it. It looked like fun. Um, I don't, I haven't really played a lot of Harvest Moon style games. The ones that I have, the problem with is I get really into them. Yeah. That's why I don't play them very often. Cause yeah. I, I played like the original Harvest Moon and you can get sucked into that, man. Oh, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't played Stardew Valley cause I'm, I'm pretty sure I just, oh be, man. Yeah. Stardew Valley. You can play start. Oh man. When, when, uh, just, just stories, stories from the quarantine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, me and a couple of friends of mine, as soon as lockdown started, just started up a Stardew Valley farm. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, after work, we would, you know, would take a shower, eat some dinner and show up probably about 730. And we would play till like 10 and just not even know where the time went. Yeah, it's so easy to get sucked in. We easily put like a hundred hours into that first farm, and we started it again a year later in a brand new farm, and put at least a hundred hours into that one. Wow! It's just it's so easy to play and to have fun with, especially when you know what you're doing. Hmm. All right, there's one final announcement. I did not see this one coming. Yes, <laughs> it did not. Well, yeah. well played, my friend. Well played, my friend. <laughs> Persona 5 Royal was finally announced for the Nintendo Switch to be coming out on October 21st. Oh, man. Yeah. It's only three years after Joker was in Smash Brothers. It has become a meme in the Persona community. (laughs) It has been a meme in the Persona community for years Mm -hmm. that Joker showed up in Smash Brothers and Persona 5 has not shown up on the fucking console. Yeah, for years. Yeah. Yeah. But but here we are. We're finally getting getting Persona 5 (laughs) on the Switch. so the good version. Yep, no no one cheaped out. It's royal. Yep. It's you know, royal yeah, that, that's the thing about the Persona games is that after the initial version releases, like in the advanced version comes out afterwards, which mm. is what happened with Persona. Nobody talks about Persona Four. Nobody fucking talks about the PS2 Persona game. No. PS, or PS2 Persona Four game. No. It's always Persona Four Golden. Golden. Yep. That's always. that is the standard, mm-hmm. and that's what Royal is. Yep. Nobody probably that I will ever meet aside from hardcore Persona fans will be like, I love Persona Five base game. Yeah. Right. I played Persona Five Royal. And I'm like, this is it. This is the perfection of what this game should have been. Mm-hmm. I could sit here and discuss the differences of the endings, but that is a very long episode. You guys really <laughs> do not want to have, because I do feel like there's a very different tone between those two endings, but mm-hmm. that's, that's neither here nor there. But what, what it is is you are getting the definitive edition of persona five and it's coming to the switch. The memes have finally been able to retire. Yeah. I'm so happy for everyone finally getting this. Right. And then the announcements kind of kept rolling in, right? 
And it was kind of almost expectation at that point. Um, they showed off Persona 4 Golden, and they're like, hey, by the way, Persona 4 Golden, uh, uh, we don't have an ETA, but pretty soon. Yeah. Um, and the big one for me, actually, and I know that I said this during the initial announcement. Um, oh, when I, it was coming to PC. When it was coming to PC, yeah. but I, I'm doubling down on it. Is they're like, hey, uh, Persona 3 Portable is coming to the Nintendo Switch, and that was one that I never played. Yeah. And initially when I saw it on the PC, I'm like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to finally play it. And then I saw it coming out to the Switch, and I'm like, that's how I'm going to play it. Yep. I'm going to download Persona uh, 3 Portable for the Switch, which is, again, a definitive version of the game. There is mm-hmm. a Persona 3, and then there's Persona 3 Portable. They yep. are very different games. Couch game. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's it. That's my fucking couch game. That's going to come out, and I'm going to drop 200 hours out of Persona game. Hell yeah. And I've got people who like swear by Persona 3 Portable. They're just like, holy fucking shit, it's so good. And I'm like... I've seen videos about it and it does not look as good as the other ones, but I would like to go back in time and maybe try it out. Yeah. I've gone back and played the first two persona games and I did play those when they came out. Okay. Um, I was that I, I persona ooh, one and two. persona one and ooh. two. I was one of those guys who had only played like half of persona one and only half of persona two, but I was like 16 year old, like weeb and a goth. And mm-hmm. I would be really pretentious about like, you guys just don't understand this game. That's these games, like the, the persona series and like how impactful they are. And like Americans just don't get it. <laughs> and like, I had persona art books and I was so fucking pretentious about it. It's okay. Look, you know what? Then that's the thing. Like there's this meme going around in certain online circles right now that people think that watching foreign movies makes them more cultured. Lol. It's literally, that's what that is. Yeah, that they're exposing themselves to more culture than you do. Right. That's yeah, yeah. Just just get used. Like do that or yeah. or yeah. Like like yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah but yeah, you had like sixteen <laughs> year old me that was just like, guys, there's a reason they can't release soul hackers in the in the, in the states. It's religious <laughs> themes are too controversial. I never finished Persona one or two. I just played some of it. Yeah. I didn't even understand how the fusion system worked in those games. Did which, anyone? Which was archaic at the time at best anyway. Oh, but I was so fucking pretentious about Persona, like when I was a weeb, that I just like I look back at myself like I would slap you. Oh yeah. Like, like, let people just enjoy things. Like, Persona 5 is going to happen someday, my dude, and, and the world's going to change, yep. all right? They're going to steal everybody's hearts, and the world will come to appreciate Persona, maybe take the eyeliner off for a couple seconds, and just accept that it's okay to like things. Mm-hmm. But that's why I'm so excited for these announcements. I know that it's games that already exist, but again, these are games that already exist coming to a platform um, that get to speak to a new audience. Yeah. And I love that. For and that. this is the perfect, the perfect way to do it because you have so many people who not only played persona five on the PlayStation four and then Royal on their PlayStation four or five. Mm. And that was probably their first persona game. Yeah. So now that they know there's these older versions that they can go back and play if they're hungry for more. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah let's do that. Absolutely. All right. That is everything that we have for the show this week. That's everything that happened in the Nintendo announcements. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that there were some fun things in there. Go back and check out some of these trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you want to, you can watch the entire Nintendo Direct. They're very efficient. It's about 25 minutes. Yep. So, I mean, for like 24 trailers, they were basically just going like a trailer a minute. Yep. So good on them for that. Um, don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast to become a patron of our show. Um, or just goodnight.gg. Uh, you can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us and head over to G and GG cast on Twitter to speak to me specifically. Special thanks to all of our patrons. You guys keep us afloat. We really love all of you. Uh, we will try and have that new episode up for you as soon as possible. I'm still scripting it. I'm sorry. It's been a hellish couple of weeks. Please, mm. please, please just thank you. Thank you so much until next time for Hector. This is James and for James this is Hector. Everyone. Good night. 
and good game.